Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. Let's begin in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 through 5. What I'd like for you to do, I'm going to go straight down the line with these scriptures. I would love for you to look in your Bibles and follow along with me. And uh, I'm going to give a short introduction to what I'm going to do this morning. Some weeks I stand here and kind of like the last couple of weeks we went over uh, our service and our ministry that we do as as far as God's people for Him. And uh, I want you to know for three or four weeks I knew before I stood behind this pulpit exactly what I was going to be preaching. But then other weeks I will get up and, and it might be a Monday or a Tuesday before I realize what God is wanting me to speak to you about on the following Sunday, and sometimes I get to work on it all week. I want you to know that sometimes it's late Saturday night before I realize exactly what I need to be bringing uh, to you. And I want you to know I don't have a book that I go to and flip through and say, okay, this is what I'm going to preach. I don't have a big book of outlines that I use from someone else. I I don't go on the Internet and find sermons that, boy, this will fit for my, my group. I... I don't do that. I try to be dependent completely and totally on the the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I take serious what I do. I take serious that you've called me to be your pastor. I take that serious. And I kind of believe what the Scripture says about a pastor uh, in the Old Testament Scriptures and even in the New Testament Scriptures. It refers to a pastor's position as a shepherd. And I kind of look at it that way. I, I look at it being a shepherd as you go out and you examine the flock. And sometimes the flock needs hay. Sometimes the flock needs uh, some, some cubes. Sometimes the flock needs sweet feed. Other times the flock needs a shot. You know? They may be getting a little wormy or something. And maybe they need to be run through a vat because they're getting fleas. And, and maybe sometimes, you know, they need uh, vaccinated... And I want you to know, just like a shepherd, there's times when we or I have the opportunity to stand in front of you and, man, just tell you about the love of Jesus. But then there's times that I stand before you and uh, it's not necessarily an easy sermon. Maybe it's uh, kind of what some of you referred to as you stepped on my toes this morning. But a shepherd, when he examines the flock, that is exactly what he is supposed to do. That's why when we look in... In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, this is what Paul is telling Timothy. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who has judged the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And this is, his, this is what Paul is telling Timothy to do. Preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. I want you to know I have been challenged to make full proof of the ministry that God has called me to in the community of Soda outside of Livingston, Texas. And sometimes being called into ministry means that you need to reprove. Sometimes it means you need to rebuke. Sometimes it means you need to go down there and you just need to love on them and just love Jesus into them. And that's what he is telling us to do. And and I want you to know this is kind of a long introduction, but this is kind of where I am this morning. I've, I, I mean, I have studied it as much this week as I have every week that I have ever studied. But I want you to know this morning I come kind of going, man, what do I need to preach this morning? And I, I kind of, I'm kind of distraught with what direction I'm supposed to go. And I'll explain to you in just a little bit more what, what direction that is. But when we read this right here, the Bible tells us that the day is coming when people will only want to hear what they want to hear. I pray to God that I'm never that person for you. I do. I pray to God that I've not come here to please and console you to be able to, to beef up the life that you want to live I hope that you see that I come this morning and I proclaim the Word of God Amen. uncompromised. And if it, if it means to do something, then we need to do it. If it means to stop doing something, we need to stop doing it. But I'm not here to please the sheep. I tell you what I am here for. I am here to make the sheep put you in a position that you can reproduce as many and as often times as you can. That's my job as a shepherd. And again, like I was saying, sometimes people don't want to hear that. And I want you to know when we look in our society today, we can see that our nation has gone in this direction. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15, I want to use this scripture. And, and I used this scripture about six or eight months ago, maybe a year ago. I can't remember what it was. But listen to what this word, this, this, this says in Proverbs 22. It says, Foolishness is bound in the hearts of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from them. Now, that's not a very pleasant statement, is it? Especially our, our kids this morning. Y'all don't want me to get up here and preach about that, do you? That foolishness is bound up in all of us and the rod of correction will draw it all, drive it all far from us. I can tell you in our society, and you look in our society and tell me if I'm wrong. You look in our society today, and the problem with our society today is the rod of correction has not been used. And I can tell you when you look, in, and I believe it was, uh, uh, is it Ferguson up in Missouri? Is that where the big riot started a couple of years? Listen, when you looked at what was going on up in Ferguson, Missouri, what you were seeing there is there was a group of people that did not get what they wanted. They fell on the ground. They kicked their feet. They screamed at the top of their lungs and said, We want it our way. Then they began to loot police cars. They began to loot businesses. 
They begin to throw rocks. They begin to shoot guns. And that isn't exactly what the Scripture says is going to happen. These are people who have been raised up without any kind of discipline in their life, and they probably listened to preachers that tickled their ears and did not uh, 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 challenge their hearts to follow after God, and we need to get away from that. (laughs) I've said all of that this morning to tell you that I'm not sure I've got a message this morning. Way before I surrendered to ministry, I was in youth ministry. Well, since I was 18. I was, I was a youth minister and I was leading worship at a little old church when I joined the Navy. So I'd been in youth ministry a long time. Since I surrendered to the ministry 20 years ago, I've preached over 3,500 messages. I probably know more about the Bible than I've ever known before in my life. And when I stand before you this morning... I'm sitting here going, but what am I supposed to preach this morning? I I, I mean, that's where I I come this morning. And if you notice the title of my message this morning is Leftovers. I think I preached Leftovers all, all, it was about a year year or so ago on a Sunday night. And and what this is, I want you to know what this is. These These are directions that I believe our church needs to hear but they're not full-blown sermons. Have you ever gone to the refrigerator and, yes, Susie, what are we going to eat tonight? Well, honey, I, I don't know. Let's look in the refrigerator and see what we've got. Well, here's a, here's a piece of leftover steak and here's some leftover spaghetti and, and here's something down here and uh, maybe a bowl of peas. And, and, and listen, I'm not telling you it's a bad meal, man. It's a, I like leftovers. But this morning, this morning in the direction that I'm fixing to go, <laughs> and I'm afraid somebody's fixing to go, oh, no. I've got three messages, oh, no, that I want to touch on. They're not full messages, all right? And it may be there's a little group over here that needs, needs some of these leftovers. Maybe they need the steak right over here. And maybe somebody over here needs a little of this, uh, what's maybe leftover dessert over here. And then maybe somebody back here needs some of this other. But I need to touch on three things this morning. And... Uh, and the reason I say that they're not a sermon or a message is because they, all three of them do not tie together at all. But it's what we need to hear this morning. Amen. So look in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 15. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 15. Kind of what I was mentioning a minute ago. I would, I guess you could say that this is the, uh, the part I want to challenge some of us. Listen, I, I don't know if many of us recognize it. Time's coming to an end. Do you agree? We're, we're getting closer and closer every day. I want to challenge you to redeem the time that we have left. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. It says, See then that you walk circumspectfully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. What it means to walk circumspectfully is, listen folks, we need to notice what's going on around us, 
And we need to see. Don't be blind. Pull our heads up out of the sand. Wake up. Open your eyes. And let us redeem the last days that we have. Listen, if you've got friends that you have waited and waited and waited to invite to church, or you've got friends that you've waited and put off telling them about the gospel because you're afraid you're going to run them off or you're going to tour them away, listen, it's time. We must redeem the times. Now, and I know I could preach a whole message on the subject of the lady named Esther. I know some of us know about Esther. Let me just tell you what it says in Esther. Esther was a young lady. She was an orphaned girl raised by her, uh, some of her kinfolks. She was an orphaned girl, and the king over this country, uh, her and him and the queen didn't get along, so he put her out of the queenship, and he said, Listen, I'm going to have a contest. Anybody, any of the pretty women in the country can come and, and audition or try out to be my queen. Esther was a little Jewish girl. And she tried out for this queenship. And this is, this is taking a long story and making it short. Esther becomes queen. She is a Jewish girl. Esther becomes queen over the whole nation of this country or queen uh, over this country that she's a part of right now. The king, unbeknowing that she was a Jewish girl, has taken advice from another group and has signed a decree that all of the Jews can be killed and annihilated from the nation and the lands. All right? This girl, Esther, is given an opportunity to make an impact for her country. I am telling us right now this morning, and I'm fixing to read this scripture, and this is going to be the end of this first sermon. We have come to a time and a place that it is time for us to make an impact wherever you are. An impact in your family. An impact in your school. An impact at your job. The Bible tells us to redeem the times because the end is near. This morning, this could be the message right now for you if you've been a casual Christian up until this point. It is time now for you to come off the bench and get involved and make an impact in the game of life for the people around you. Esther is faced now. She feels like she needs to stand up and say something to the king and say, King, do you realize that you've signed a decree to kill all of my family? This is what is being said. If she comes into the throne room without permission from the king... If she walks in the back door and she stands against the wall and the king does not point to her and give her permission to approach the throne, the guards are required to take her out and kill her because she walked into the throne room without his permission. Her kinfolks and the ones who raised her says, Esther, it is time for you to make a stand. And she says, listen, if I walk in there, I may be put to death. It's time to make an impact. Listen to the scripture right here. And this is Esther chapter 4 and verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, in other words, if you don't decide to make this decision, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews for another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. 
And listen to the question. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I want you to know, and this is what I want to tell every single one of us in here. Esther was just a common, ordinary girl until she stood up for what was right and stood up for God. Now, that next scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm not going to read that, but I want you to know that's a list of people who were ordinary people just like me and you, and they decided to make an impact in people's lives, and they stood up for God and stood up for Christ where they were. Have you made an impact lately? Have you made an impact lately? It's time for us to redeem the time. Message number one. Well, let me... Well, let's just go on. Message number one. Message number two. The reason that some of us are afraid to impact people is that you're just simply afraid. And I said you are simply afraid. I want, we are simply afraid. I, I think it was on a Wednesday night. I told, I told this, I, I went to a lady's house the other day and I drove by and I looked in her yard and she had a lawnmower sitting out there and the grass was all grown up around it. It appeared that maybe the lawnmower didn't work. I tinker on them every now and then. I said, well here, I think I'll drive by there and ask her if she wants to sell that lawnmower that's broke down. I go and I knock on the door. She comes to the door. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit of God is saying, ask her about her relationship with me. I was concerned about the lawnmower. I was looking at what Wayne Bickley wanted. And I said, I can talk to her about that later. Man, what about this lawnmower out here? Is that your lawnmower? Is it broke down? I'm looking to fix one up. She says, no, that belongs to my landlord. And the Holy Spirit inside of me said, Wayne, ask her about her relationship with me. I said, would you hush? She says, oh, no, that lawnmower belongs to my landlord. It runs okay. She just hadn't been using it in the last couple of weeks. I said, okay, thank you very much. And the Holy Spirit says, Wayne, ask her about that relationship with me. I didn't want to bother her. So I walked to my car, and I got in my car, and I drove away. And I don't mind telling you, I'm your preacher. And the Holy Spirit dealt with my heart, and I just didn't have time that day. I was interested in what Wayne Bickley wanted to do. God forgive me for that. But so many times, we are afraid to act what the Holy Spirit calls us to do. That's the subject of my next topic. In Matthew 17 and 7 it says, And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. In 2 Timothy 1 and 7 it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me tell us this something. This, listen, we have control of our own lives. Do you realize that? I don't care if we live in America, and I don't care about all the laws that govern our country. Listen, 
We are in control of our own lives. Let me tell you what you are in control of. You are in control of your time. I try my best not to ever say this. I don't have time. I have 24 hours in my day just like everyone else. It's how I choose to occupy that time. We will use that all the time. Well, I just don't have time. Listen, your time is your time. You have control of your time. You have control of your thoughts. Someone says, no, I do not have control of my thoughts. The Bible says to take captive every thought. You have the ability to control your thoughts. You have the ability to control your time. You have the ability to control the dreams and the aspirations of your life. You have the, the, the ability to control your attitude. Have you ever told someone they had a bad attitude? You ever told somebody, they ever told somebody you need an attitude adjustment? Listen, we have the ability to control our attitude. When you're driving down the road and someone speaks to you and they just speak to you derogatorily, you have the right to respond how you want to respond. You don't have to let someone else control how you respond. We are in control of our own attitudes. You're in control of your tongue. You, you are in control of what you say to someone. You are in control of your role models. Goodness gracious. The role models that we have today on our television sets are not role models at all. You are in control of your commitments. You are in control of your worries. You are in control of your responses. Listen, I want you to know the scripture tells us fear not because God has not given you a spirit of fear, fear but of power. Fear not. This is what some of us are afraid to do. Some of us, that we, we've had some people sitting in our congregation and they're scared to death to commit to salvation for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're afraid of how that might affect their lives. They're afraid of how it might affect their families. They're afraid to get saved. They're afraid. We've got some folks that are afraid to commit to anything. Well, I, I can't do that because I, I, just, I just don't want to take on any responsibility because I want to do what I want to do. And they're afraid of responsibility. They're afraid of commitment. They're afraid of surrender and giving their life to Christ. We feel like we've got to have control. I want you to know there's not a situation or a circumstance in your life that God can't have control over. God can't. Hey, listen, little old David, and we preached about him last Sunday night. Bless his heart, little old David stood before a nine-foot, nine-inch giant. He was not afraid because the Lord was on his side. He believed and he trusted in the Lord. We are in control of our lives. Fear not. Sermon number one. Make an impact. It's time. Sermon number two, don't be afraid of any kind of commitment when you're depending upon the Lord to see you through it. Sermon number three, I'm going to ask you to go to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52.
I have to tell you, this is, uh, I really thought this is what I was going to preach my whole sermon on this morning, was Isaiah chapter 52, and I just, I didn't feel led that way, Isaiah chapter 52, for some reason this week I was thinking about, I was thinking about Mary uh, and Martha when they saw Jesus come out of the tomb. Now, I don't know why I was thinking this, but when Martha met Jesus outside the tomb, and if you remember, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you have taken, taken our Lord's body and put it somewhere, just tell The Bible tells us that Martha thought that that was the gardener, if you remember this event. And I was thinking about, and I know there's a lot of different ideas. Why did not Martha recognize Jesus when he come out of that grave. Why didn't she recognize him? I mean, she served him. She said in, Jesus came and said it in her, her house. If you remember one of the events in, in Jesus' life, Martha sat right at the feet of Jesus and was just in awe of his teachings. And I was asking myself the question, why didn't Martha recognize him? Why didn't she recognize him? This is what I came up with. All right? Three days prior to this, the last image that Martha had of Jesus was when he was up on that cross. And the last depiction that she had of Jesus, if you read the scriptures, you realize that the Bible says that they ripped his beard out. The Bible says that they hit him. The Bible says that they flogged him. The Bible says that when he was going down the road up to Calvary, the Bible says that they took their rods and they hit him on the head with his rod, with their rods, and they hit him on the back with his rod. And I want you to know, I do not think that there has been a movie produced today that depicts or shows a picture of Christ in the way that he was when he was placed on that cross. Because, and I say that because this is what the scripture says. 52 and 14, it says, As many were astonished at his visage, in other words, what he looked at was so marred than any other man in his form more than the sons of men. I want you to know Jesus' body was in shreds. And as Jesus' body is in shreds, we need to know they could not take Jesus' life. They couldn't take it. The only way that Jesus died on the cross is that he gave his life. They could have gotten every drop of blood out of his body, but his life was not taken until he gave it. When he says, it is finished... I want you to know the visage or the appearance of Jesus Christ was horrifying. And as Jesus came out of that grave, and he had been glorified because he had overcome death, when Martha looked at him, she didn't see the same man that she saw on the cross. She saw something completely different. There's no way this man could be Jesus, the Son of God. Because I saw Jesus, the Son of God, just like the Scripture here describes Him. 
Now, you may have another take on why she didn't recognize him, and that's okay. This is what was going through my mind this week. And then I read Isaiah 53, and it says, in verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We need to understand what we were healed of right here was not a physical problem. What he healed us from was our iniquities and our sins. Verse number 10, it says this, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. The reason it pleased the Heavenly Father to see Jesus on the cross was because he knew that Jesus took your sins and my sins and placed them on himself and he died in your place and my place. Verse 11 says, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now I've come to the end of sermon number three. And just for your attention, it's almost ten minutes to twelve. Don't say your preacher can only preach 40 minutes. I preach three messages in about 25 minutes. Message number one, it's time to make an impact. Time is getting short. We need to redeem the time. Message number two, don't be afraid to do it. Lesson number three, or sermon number three. I heard this this week. This is only the second time I've heard this song. The title of this song is How Deep the Father's Love for Us. I'm about to sing this song. And as I sing this song, I want you to consider the words that God the Father spoke to us this morning through His Word. Not from what I've said, but what He has spoken to you through His Word. And I want you to listen to the words of this song and you're going to begin to see scriptures come alive that you remember from Christmas time when Jesus was born and the crucifixion and his life how deep the father's love for us and then we'll have a invitation how deep the father's love for us how vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son and make a wretch His treasure. 
How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sins upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice. Call out. Among the scoffers, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns His face away. As wounds which mar the chosen ones bring many sons to glory. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I don't understand at all why you loved me the way you did. And I thank you that you give me opportunity to serve you. Although there's no way that I could ever repay what you've done for me. Thank you for loving me the way you have. And I thank you that you've given me opportunity to serve back what you've done. God, as we've looked this morning at the depth of the love that you've had for us. God, let us see that it is time for us to redeem the time and that you have called us as your children to make an impact on those around us. Father, I ask that we would claim the power that you've given us and that we would turn away from fear that rules our lives. Wow. I love you so much. Thank you. I just want to give you this time of invitation. Lord, let it be all to your glory and everything that is said and done. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. And if you need to respond this morning, you respond how you might respond.